Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the latest Kitchen Garden podcast. Now, I'm really delighted to be talking to someone you'll all know, I'm sure, um, this morning, and that's Terry Walton, who you'll know from um, his, his uh, programme on the Jeremy Vine show. So, welcome to you, Terry. Uh, nice to join you on a, such a pleasant gardening morning here in the Rhonda. Oh, it's amazing. And you're out on your plot right now, I think. I'm out on the plot right now. I mean, there's not many mornings you don't find me at the plot. I mean, you see, it's the place where I start my day. And if I don't get my fix of the plot in the morning, then I'm not possible to live with for the rest of the day. I, I need my <laughs> relaxation. I need my bit of exercise. And then I'm a different person. Oh, that's what it's all about, isn't it, Terry, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Being outside in the fresh air and... Yeah, just enjoy. What I must do before long, I must learn how to dig and work a plot rather than just look at it. It's <laughs> <laughs> remembering to stop. If you can do that, that's the thing, isn't it? God, well, dear. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my biggest bugbear. I mean, my wife's. Uh, is very, very tolerant, and I'm, how long are you going to be this morning? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be long today. And then you get to a plot, and it's a lovely morning, and you look around you, and there's more work, and you think, oh. and the time is gone in a flash, isn't it? It's oh, wasn't it flash. just? Yeah, yeah. But, oh, amazing. It's, it's a wonderful way of life, it really is. Yeah, so uh, before we get into the questions, I've got to ask you, how, how are your veg coping with the, all the rain we've had? So I was imagining in the Rhonda. They, 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 they really have thrived in the last two weeks. I mean, prior to that, April into May, into June, the April started cold and dry, and in May got gradually warmer, June got extremely warm, and winter, well, not winter, well, veg on this hillside is not acclimatised warm weather. The Rhonda rarely gets above the mid-20s, and yeah. we get more than sufficient rain to keep them going. But, yeah. I mean, it, it really is thriving on... Runner beans and French beans in the last 10 days are cropping prolifically. The potatoes are now beginning to send up a deep, you know, we get a decent digging out of them. Yeah. So everything is now, as they say, everything in the garden is looking rosy. Oh, amazing. Oh, that's great. And then, as we were saying uh, before we, we came on air here, it's um, just nice not to have to water, actually, isn't it? Nice not to be carrying watering cans about all the time. It, it is. And again, you know, you have to be selective in that. I mean, with a, a 10 perch plot, which is about 300 square yards, you can't possibly water everything every day. So all you can do is select what you need to water 
give them a real good drenching and some poor devil's got to suffer as a result. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we don't need to worry about that just for the time being anyway. So no, no, I think it's uh, this current weather has given us sufficient from the heavens yeah. to keep us uh, out of that problem. Yes, yeah. Well, so we can do something useful with the watering can. I can actually, because of the way things have had to suffer early on, I can actually still use the watering can but give them a liquid feed and sell, which is much better. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, keep coming along. Oh, super. So on to you, because I've been, I've been desperate to talk to you and find out more about you, and I, I know our listeners would be interested as well. I, I'm, I'm imagining you come from a long line of gardeners. Are you... Well, my, grand, my, great, my grandfather, my father, were, yeah, my, my father got me into this at the tender age of four. Um, we oh. only lived 100 yards from this allotment. So he got in the tender age of four and took my first allotment at the age of 11. So, yeah, it's in the genes, as they say. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what are some of your earliest memories? My earliest memories, my, as I said, we lived quite close to allotments. My father was, like me, was here more, most days and came over. And I remember my mother saying to him, Tom, take this boy from under my feet and over there plot with you. And I was only four-year-old. <laughs> And I walked in, we got some, our entrance to our allotments are two large metal gates. And that, that, the clang of them as he opened them, ring was still in my ears today. Even though I was only four, I still remember that. Wow. And we marched through the allotments. And when in those days, don't forget, this was back in the 1950s. They, they, the, the allotments was male-dominated. Yeah. It was the males went there, women were at home. And uh, I remember the looking at all these tall ex-miners and being petrified. <laughs> he, took me to his, he, he took me over to his plot, which was about a halfway through the allotments, where he had a shed at the top and a small area of ground alongside it. <clears throat> Excuse me. He turned that over, gave me a packet of radish seed, let me draw a drill, sow these seeds. Within a matter of a week, these big leaves came up. And within six weeks, I was actually eating one of these radishes, yeah. which I had grown as a four-year-old. Oh, amazing. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, and it's, it's obviously stayed with you ever since. So that's Oh, the... yeah, it ended up really, it really got the best way I'd left children to be in gardens. Because I think once you've got your hands legitimately dirty, you get a passion for growing. And hopefully that passion stays with you all your life. Yeah, yeah, and it and it sort of sparked an entrepre- entrepreneurial. I can't say that. Um, uh, <laughs> you see, let, let's put it another way. You even started up your own business when you were young. I understand. Well, it, it, it never intended that way. My father had a couple of plots here, and doing the and he but he fed the family, and I took my first plot when I was eleven. And uh, what was happening in the early nineteen sixties? Supermarkets began to appear and were taking people away from growing their own, so plots became vacant. So mm-hmm. rather than needs to be vacant, I was a young man, plenty of energy, plenty of enthusiasm, and I eventually took 10 plots on, on the allotments. Now, my father was growing the veg for the house, so I was growing veg, and what do I do with all this veg? Because <laughs> it's an allotment, you're not allowed to sell it. You're only allowed to give it away. Right. So on a weekend, I went to a, a local greengrocer in a local town, picked up all the empty boxes around the rear of it, and then grew cabbages, um, beans, potatoes, and carrots. And I put up this box system, this was back in the late 1950s, and walked to all the local houses and knocked at the door, and the lady came to the house and said, what's a lovely box of vegetables? Tell me how much are they? And I'd say, the vegetables are free, Mr. Jones, but the box is two and sixpence. 
<laughs> so I got over the I got over the rules. I wasn't selling the veg. I was delivering it in the box, which I was paying. A, they were paying me for the box. God, you must be one of the first veg veg box schemes, I reckon. Don't well, you? Well, I, I my claim to fame is, but I've never been recognised for it. I started a box system before box systems were ever dreamt about. You must have done, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, in those days. Because I was in school and I had all the things. Winter months were not possible. I couldn't grow winter veg. But I grew veg from June until September. So I only had a very small window. But during that time, yeah, I did all that. And then winter months, I had these 10 plots to prepare for the following season. Yeah, yeah. That's a, 10 plots, is a, that's a lot. That really I'm one. I was like, my mother, I, you couldn't tell the difference between being a bamboo cane in those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. God, I've, I've never been up to looking after 10 plots, I can tell you that. <laughs> certainly not these days, Terry. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm one is sufficient. No, I, can, I must admit, Dave, <laughs> the brain is still willing to do 10 plots, but the body isn't capable of doing anything. Yeah. No, no. Oh, well. <laughs> And you, you you garden organically now, I understand. Have you have you always yeah, well, done I, that, or is that something that came came later? No, it was one of those things in life. Back in the 1950s, early 60s, there was lots of collieries in the valley, so there was lots of stables for the pit ponies. So they the, they always delivered to any local allotments loads of manure. Right. And the mountainsides around me were covered in bracken. So during the school holidays, I collected loads of this bracken. So when I started gardening, I, that was the only thing I knew, was organic gardening. Yeah. Not in realising the term organic wasn't even dreamt up then. No. So I just grew everything that way. And the only thing the allotment bought was lime, which is a natural substance which we use to sweeten the soil. Yes. And that was the total regime for growing. But when I had 10 plots, and this was now in the early 1960s, Chemical fertilizers become the norm. Gromo was great because you threw it on and it fed everything. Yeah. Superfast was good because it made fruiting bushes give you bell fruit. Nitro chalk and sulfur ammonia give cabbages a boost. So to grow all this veg on 10 plots, I couldn't manure and collect the bracken for them. So bags of artificial man-made fertilizer became the norm. But I did that for about two or three years and then uh, realized... This, uh, this is not my way to garden. This is short term. You put on during the, the summer, but the following year, there was nothing left in the soil. We did again, then crops failed. So I then went back to my roots uh, and then started using all the organic materials. Yeah. And again, I, uh, in the early 70s, then I had my two children, and I was using nasty stuff back in the 60s, DDT in particular. Yeah. I used that for a year or two. And when the reports come out of what that was doing and the toxic time bomb I was building up, I said I'd never use any pesticide or herbicide ever again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think most of us have got, a, you know, well, most of us of a certain age, um, you go back far enough, probably, you know, that was just the thing to do, wasn't it, at the time? You you, you had a pest, you sprayed it. Um, that's right, you know, but the trouble was you killed friend and foe, didn't you? That was the yeah, trouble, you didn't realise yeah. what damage you were doing. But, I mean, the, the plot in those days was an open-plan plot. Everything grew immaculately. 
There was never any damage. We threw metallic slug pellets everywhere, so there was never a slug or a snail. <laughs> but then you, you landed up with pristine crops. These days, my plot is like a war zone because there's barriers everywhere <laughs> to keep all the various pests of cabbages, carrots, and everything else. So, yeah. But I mean, it's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. It is, yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was going to ask you, there's a sort of thing I've noticed um, a bit of a trend these days for... You know, people don't, newer, younger gardeners perhaps don't see pests as pests. They'll see, if they see a cabbage white, they see it as a butterfly. You know, they see it as something um, just part of nature. And I suppose that's, that's the way we've all come round to now. The sort of, that's the sort of thinking we've all, we've all got. But it does mean putting up the netting. <laughs> it does, yeah. I mean, if you want to keep them off, I mean, you've got two methods of doing this. I mean, you, can, you have to be very vigilant. And I mean, the first thing I do when I arrive here every morning is spend the first 15 minutes walking around the plot and looking for anything that appears to be distressed, either by um, aphids or caterpillars. And the, the quickest method, if you get them early enough, is the finger, the forefinger and the thumb. You can rub these things off and eliminate them. Yeah. But then if you grow in bigger bigger areas and you can't always get here, the nets are absolutely essential because then you're keeping the pest off in the first place. It's a bit more cumbersome when you've got to weed and feed, but again, it stops the, the pest actually attacking anything. Yeah. So it's a blend yeah. of the two. I mean, like runner beans, you can't protect them from pests, but as soon as a black fly appears, then nip him in the bed because if you don't rub him off quick, he got 10,000 offspring by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you get things like leak moths where you are, Terry? Sorry. <laughs> they haven't, nobody's told them whether Ronda is yet. They haven't got a sat nav, thank God. Oh, no. thank goodness. Yeah. It's getting closer. It's in Newport, which is uh, about 30 miles away. So it, it is spreading. And mm. I, I dread the day I've got to grow leeks and uh, onions under nets as well. Yeah. But I mean, at, at the moment, no, I'm, I'm touching this wooden bench, keeping <laughs> all legs and fingers crossed. Uh, that doesn't, it never climbs the hill into the wrong <laughs> Oh, I hope it stays that way. We, we've got yeah, them in yeah. the East Midlands and they, they really are a, a real pain. Um, well, the trouble is they eat the stuff when it's at its peak. And I mean, yeah. you put them in, they're growing well. And then sometime in August, they decimated. And as your winter crop gone. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, we have to live with these things, I suppose. It's just adapting, isn't it, to... Um, it is, yeah. To I mean, it. it's only that. I mean, no, no, no I'm digressing slightly the moment. But we have to adapt to this changing climate as well. Because if you're a gardener, you can't escape the fact that the climate is changing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I suppose we've got that to, to thank for all this uh, rain that we've had lately as well. It's um, it's It really comes close to home, isn't it? It makes you realise when you, you see what the weather's doing and you can't really yeah, quite rely on the seasons so much as you used to. Probably like you, I remember when it was, when it was, we had the Vivaldi year, four seasons. You know, we we mm. started in spring with decent weather, we planted, the summer was warm and pleasant. By September, mid-September, we had a frost which put the summer crops to bed, puts the sweetness into the winter crops. And then by December, we get snow and ice and the ground would be completely frozen. It would uh, be, a, be broken down to a fine, friable soil for the following following season. So we, mm. we knew the seasons, we knew when we could garden, but now it could be in December, you think you're still in June. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do do you still dig, Terry, or do you? you I still dig. dig. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm reaching that time of life where Charles Dowding and his theories are beginning to become approachable to me. <laughs> and this year, for the first time, I've tried one or two areas where I haven't dug, 
I've just raked them over and planted. Yeah. And uh, it looks promising. And I, I do accept many of the things that the no-dig sort of tell you. You know, it, it, it doesn't help the earthworms. It doesn't help the microorganisms soil you turn them over. And again, it does make hard work. The only thing I have to do, because I grow a lot of green manures, I have to dig those back in. So uh, yeah. there will always be some digging. But gradually I am warm into the idea that maybe as, uh, as the back and the uh, that begins to tell me, it's time to start looking at why do I turn everything over by hand every year. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a masochist. I do enjoy the push shove and gasp as you turn soil over. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's quite sort of therapeutic, isn't it? Just, as you say, it get is, into yeah, a bit of a rhythm with it and, yeah, lose yourself in the digging, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you do, yeah. And, I, you know, and there's nothing like on a cool October, November morning, spending an hour doing that. You feel glowing and super fit at the end of it. And because it is a great satisfaction seeing a, a freshly turned patch of the plot looking good. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned green manures. So will you be sowing some sort of in the autumn to overwinter? Yeah, but that's the other confusing issue these days. I always, when my, or most of my potatoes out and most other things came out, the bits I didn't use, I would rake over, sow the manures in mid-August. Mm. But they were then by the end of September. It was like an African savanna. Yeah. I couldn't, <laughs> the grass was as high as an elephant's eye. So uh, I've, I've, I've gone now. I don't actually sow the green manures until mid-September. Right, yeah. And then they grow they grow sufficient for me then. So, yeah, that is changing. But, yeah, I'm still a, a big fan of veggies and rice. Vetches and rice, yeah, 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 yeah. Good, yeah. And, good and hard. And I put the nitrogen in the the vetches do the in the, the rye grass holds all the nutrients in during the if we do get wet winters and then mm. turn back in late January. It's uh, it, I made the horse redundant and I I can just dig the green manure in rather than carry stacks of bags from a stable. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah, that's 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 a bit killing, isn't it? The old pile of manure having to spread that over. <laughs> Again, in, in in my heyday, I used to enjoy that. I don't know why. That's gone. That's got some weird. My wife will go for a drive up. I'll drive past a farmyard, and she say, "What are you looking at? Oh, it's a lovely pile of well rotted manure." <laughs> so I must be a bit of bit sick in the head at times. <laughs> you can have a rolling field and a hedge, but a pile of manure turns me on. <laughs> You're looking at the manure, not the view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, do do you grow um, apart from your your veg? Obviously, do you grow fruit and flowers on your plot? Yeah, yeah. I grow um, I grow gooseberries, some blackcurrants, some raspberries, and strawberries. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years back, I had a mulberry bush which was in a pot in that home. I got too big. I brought a bananas on the plot, and that has cropped exceptionally well. So oh. I grow all. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, all that type of veg. And yet... Mrs. Walton wouldn't, I wouldn't, I thought it's only, the only way I can get away with coming up here as long as I can take bunches of flowers over. So in the spring, I always grow sweet williams. And then during the summer, I grow sweet peas and gladiolia. And then I also, for the autumn, grow chrysanthemums. So Mrs. W gets flowers seven or eight months of the year. I can take over a fabulous box of veg yeah. and one bunch of flowers, pale the, the veg is put second best. Yeah. <laughs> Keep her sweet. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, the absolutely. Yeah, extend and sweet peas are the finest because he loves sweet peas. Oh, yeah. there's nothing uh, like a bunch yeah. of sweet peas, yeah. That's yeah, you get that lovely aroma with a, a kaleidoscope of beautiful colours in him. Yeah, oh, amazing, amazing. They're, and they're certainly enjoying the rain this year. They've got a second lease of life, I think, in my garden. Yeah, they were. They were my first lot was struggling and the stems were rather short. But after this rain over the last couple of weeks, they've got a lovely green sheen back on the leaf and the stems are much longer now yeah um, you've got a bunch a day at least oh yeah 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 oh, such value yeah great oh well i know you do you do a lot of you do um a number of broadcasts i think don't you various radio programs during during the week but um you're obviously best known i guess for your appearances on jeremy vine um, yeah, Radio 2 is where i started yeah yeah that was my start of my broadcasting career back all the way back now to 2003. Gosh, that long, yeah. Yeah, 20 years of anniversary this year, yep. Wow, wow. How did that first come about? Well, it's one of these strange things. Jeremy took over from Jimmy Young in the January of 2003. Mm-hmm. On about a, a month into the programme, he did, he, he did this show on a Friday afternoon about allotments. And, of course, were, he was overwhelmed by the enthusiasm, how nice allotment tears are, and how they had loads of questions. A tongue-in-cheek at the end of the show, he said, uh, we ought to get out more. Well, I get out more and adopt an allotments. Yeah. And uh, any listeners want their allotments adopted, please write in. I thought, that's crazy. You can't garden on a radio. It's impossible. <laughs> anyway, I wait for my kids, nag me to send this email in. And uh, out of the blue, they come back to me. We had a few chats, and uh, that started in the early part of 2003, and still going strong to today. So it, it obviously is, it works. The, the listeners love it, yeah. and we do pass on lots of tips. And we are what is actually happening on the radio is on this allotments actually happening in in reality as well. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's unique. I can see why people like it so much. And how, what, what do you like about it? it? It must be sort of fun just to, well, chatting to listeners and, and learning. I guess you learn from them as well. Well, you do. And again, I love the bit where they ring in and ask me questions and you can, you can you know, talk with each other. Because nothing worse than an email with a gardening question. Sometimes oh, you can't no. quite... And I like the problem. But if you've got a discussion, you can sort it. And again... If I can convert anybody who is an on gardener then to the pleasures of gardening, 
and that's my objective achieved. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that sort of leads me on to my next question, really, because I was going to ask you how you how you'd advise a new veg grower, you know, how to get started. Um, should they take on an allotment or just have a patch in the back garden, maybe? How, how would you do it? I would start in your back garden, if you can. Mm. If you've got a bit of a back garden, you can use Even start off with some trays and some pots, you know, not trays, pots and some tubs. Mm. Because you can start in once. You need to find out whether you do like it or not. And it's nothing worse. If you don't like it, then don't, don't attempt to do it. Yeah. You know, the situation is that you need to get that feel for it. So start off with maybe just a couple of tubs, just a couple of tubs of potatoes, a large tub with six runner beans in, so a couple of French beans or whatever else. Just do that. And then, then in back on, convert, sacrifice a piece of lawn and just start to grow some stuff in the ground. And then once you find the flavor of this and you aren't getting it, you've got the passion. Yeah. And then apply for the allotment after that. Because right? yeah. once, and one thing about the allotments, once you're there, you get plenty and plenty of advice mm-hmm. and you get plenty of observing what happens in your locality, when to sow, how to sow and everything else. Advice from gardeners is never secret. It's freely passed on. The only way I learned was what was passed on to me and I'm more than willing to pass it on to anybody who wants to know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's really sound advice, isn't it? Because you do, you do find people jump in with an allotment and then realise it's, it's quite a job, isn't it? And, and very often you'll take one on and it'll be a bit overgrown, so you have to spend a little while knocking it into shape first. Yeah. So, yeah, always a good idea to start small. Yeah, and again, one of the things we take an allotment on, don't forget, this is at the end of the day, is a hobby. Mm. It's not, you know, it does provide food. It does provide all the other benefits. But as a hobby, you don't have to finish it in two weeks. You know, long and again, start small. Start clearing a bit of the ground. Start planting something because the important bit is the things in the ground you can see growing and be able to take some home to prove to your half you do go to the allotments. You're not in the pub, <laughs> you know. So do that, but don't forget to keep looking back over your shoulder. Don't plant, dig, plant a bit, and then keep working through the plot. Because once once you start doing that, everything behind you will take over again. I always say, don't turn your back on what you've done. Keep looking over your shoulder because mm. the weeds are creeping up, and you have to keep keep it clean. So keep going back and keeping clean what you've done. Step forward, and never use the term "it's hard work." Mm. Once gardening becomes hard work, the enjoyment is gone. It's it's pleasurable work which keeps you fit. Yeah. That's why you look at it. If you were digging, mowing, anything else you're doing, pruning, it's all keeping all these muscles in your body toned up, and it relaxes you. And you're in the in the company around you, like-minded people, so you can have a bit of banter and a bit of chat as well. So it is, it, it does you well socially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always a great, um, great sort of vibe on a lot community sort of sense of community, isn't there? On allotments, like you say, people always help you. Um, well, I always call them the most sharing, caring community in the world. Mm. If everybody was like an allotment here, then the world would be a damn sight better place to live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, even the new members that come in when they are struggling, they never go home empty-handed. All us plot holders are more than sufficient. And a handful of beans, a couple of onions, a little tub of potatoes. People wandered out before they even started digging the pot mm. with some produce. And hopefully that hooks them even further. Yeah, and do you get more ladies taking on plots? Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah, we got, we, yeah, we got, we got, we got so many. I know, 
and they really put us guys to shame. They are much neater, they're much more organised, they're much more enthusiastic than we ever thought we were. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, it's really changed, isn't it? It's, it's really nice now on the allotments, I think. Yeah, it's a good, a yeah, good I mean, I found it strange over the years, as I said. When I, when I joined here as a young man, then this was all male. It was all mm-hmm. male. Mm-hmm. And then gradually, husbands and wives started coming in, and we now got females who are taking plots on as well, who husbands are not interested in God. And it has really changed the whole atmosphere. It's a better place for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been growing a long time. Do you have any f- favourite veg that... Well, it's probably a silly question, really. It's going to be a long list, I imagine. But, <laughs> but yeah, what are your favourite veg? You, mu- you must have veg that perhaps, you know, maybe a beginner ought to put in and uh, grow. Well, I mean, my, let's do my favourite veg first, because I wouldn't start... I mean, my favourite veg above all others are peas. Peas are the most superb vegetable, and I always grow them because they are brilliant on the plot. Because you can pop up here and you can pick a few pods, pop them open, put them in your pocket. You don't have to chew gum, you don't have to sip sweets. You can eat them as you go along, yeah. and they keep you satisfied. And the flavour is absolutely superb. I often don't tell, I never tell my wife about the first early peas because <laughs> very few of them actually reach the kitchen. And you can just throw the pot on the ground and it's biodegradable. That, above all the veg of all, peas are by, by father, by, by way, my father's the most favourite I've got. Mm. But the most productive crop I got by miles again are runner beans and climbing French beans. Mm. They take up very little soil. They do take a little preparation, make sure the trench has got plenty of well rotted material in. You need to feed them regularly, and during the dry periods, you need to water them regularly. But you get the best um, bang of the buck from them. You pick beans every day. They they only take up a small bit of ground. They occupy eight foot of air and two foot of ground. So they they are brilliant from that point of view. Yeah. So they are my they are my top tips for them. If anybody wants to start new. Then the best things to start off with, obviously, and to get the quickest return, are the salad group. Whether you're growing lettuce, whether you're growing beetroot, or spring onions, radish in particular, you get a return within weeks of them. On the other ones, you've got to wait a few more weeks before you get any feed, any uh, anything to harvest. But these, you harvest, you know, radish, six weeks later, you're harvesting radish. Mm. Under 10 weeks, you're harvesting lettuce, maybe beetroot and spring onions. So you're getting as feedback. And then, gradually then, you build into stuff like carrots, grow your beans, grow your, uh, grow your potatoes, and all those sort of things. And you've got to wait to be a bit more patient, but they all come along. And again, one of the big tips I always tell people is only grow what you like. Mm. Some people fall into the trap, and I had a story many years ago. I was planting in late April some Brussels sprouts, and I had put these plants out, and a new, new young couple had taken a plot, and was standing there and watched me do it. And they said, what are those, Terry? And I said, sprouts. Oh, I got a cup of coffee supplied by my mate, Jeff, yeah? Cup of coffee come out of Albie's coffee. Thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> so I got, I got, if I slurp now and again, I'm on, I'm on the coffee, all right? That's fair enough, yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, I was planting these Brussels sprouts, and they said, what are those, Terry? I said, sprouts. Oh, they look lovely plants. I said, well, do you want a couple to try? So I give them half a dozen plants. Off they went, pleased as punch, and disappeared. And I kept in touch on throat. And then came the following October, I was harvesting sprouts. And they wandered down. They said, no, you're picking well. We said, I said, are you doing okay? Oh, they're looking lovely. He said, do you want some? I said, no, I've grown plenty here. 
I said, why are you giving them away? Why are you taking them home? We don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they nurtured a fantastic crop of sprouts, but then they didn't want to eat them. Oh, no. <laughs> they already so privatised. Yeah, I mean, not all vegetables appeal to all people. Appeal to all people. No, I mean, I was brought up in a household, whatever my father grew, I had to eat. But these days, it's not quite the same. So no. only grow what what you want to eat on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and do you sort of uh, stick to the same varieties? Do you use like heritage varieties, or do you like to try the new stuff? I don't grow. I, 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 I don't grow heritage varieties. But when I come to the plot, eighty percent of what I grow is a bit repetitive because they know they grow in my soil mm. and I know they grow well. But to grow everything in the same will be boring. Twenty yeah. percent of things I try new varieties or even occasionally new vegetables. But that way I know then they will in my climate or my soil, they will give me food during the summer, winter, autumn, whenever else. Yeah. Yeah. Because the important yeah. bit of having a plot is that you grow your own vegetables, you don't have to visit the supermarkets, you get the flavour, the the and you know they're all pesticide free and they you can they're always eaten fresh at the peak of nutrition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, just moving on a little, you—I know you're obviously well known as a broadcaster and an author. You've written several books, haven't you? Um, yes, yeah, a couple of books. Couple of books, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I understand you're also an ambassador for the leading prostate cancer charity over there. What? Yeah, the one in Wales, Prostate Cymru. Yeah, I do. I'm a. I was unfortunately diagnosed with prostate cancer. In fact, all my good living, all the vegetables, unfortunately, mm. you know, whatever is in your genes, you get. And in 2012, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Mm. And thanks to the allotments, thanks to the good veg, I overcome and uh, I am uh, free and I get regular checkups and uh, everything is under control and free. Oh, that's amazing. I'm oh, so glad to hear it. So would you have a message for any other fellas listening <laughs> to this? I guess it's going to get checked. Yeah, once you once you reach the age of fifty, get along to you with GP. Get him to do a very simple blood test. Some of the GPs are a bit reluctant, but insist that you were right to have a test, mm. and that will then put your mind at rest. And do that every five years, and then make sure they can nip it in the bud. If they nip it in the bud, then your survival rates are extremely high. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a good message. Yeah, and and keep eating the veg, of course, because it it's got to help. <laughs> the fresh. Well, meat. I mean, being being fit is always a major help. Being fit yeah. is a major help. It helps you overcome a lot of things, and it helps you being on the allotments. Helps you whenever you get diagnosed, you come up with a lot of mental issues. The allotments overcome them. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great for your mental health, isn't it? Being out there in the fresh yeah, air with yeah. nature and. Yeah. But it does three things to me. It's, it, 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 it saves me on a tanning parlour because I get plenty of fresh <laughs> air. Don't overdo the tanning. It saves me on gym membership. I don't have to pay a fortune to get fit because I get fit anyway. I don't have to have a stress counsellor because the lads on the allotment, the lads and ladies on the allotments cure that. And I, they, it does all the, all I need to know from that as well. And again, you can come up here for peace and solitude. You can carry for banter. So your spirits are always high. Oh, you're adding to the allotment waiting list. You do know that, Terry, don't you? Can I, I hope so, I hope so. <laughs> Sending those Instead emails. Instead of building all these housing sites, let's get a few more allotment sites available. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, I understand, sort of talking about spreading the word, you've got a new podcast uh, coming up, Terry Walton's Yes, I'm podcast. coming to start being launched on Thursday is Terry Walton's Plotcast, plot-cast where I should yeah. be... Uh, 
and I will come out on BBC Sounds mm-hmm. on uh, on a weekly basis. I will be from the plot giving you tips on individual vegetables, how to grow them, tip my little ways of growing them, and giving novices on experienced gardeners the benefit of my knowledge over six decades where they can now actually um, start to pick up this and a few things to learn along the way. And as a gardener, as yourself, you know you never, ever learn everything you need to know about gardening. No. Every day on a garden, on a plot, is a, is a school day. So this podcast will teach you, and hopefully I will learn some lessons from feedback from people who are listening, and we will con- continue to improve our gardening skills and learn new things on a regular basis. And my ambition is that most people in this country eventually will have the beauty of tasting their own veg, and if they are lucky enough to get allotments, teach them the ways to become largely self-sufficient. Oh, that's great. Well, I shall certainly, for one, I shall be there listening to you on um, BBC Sounds. I shall look out for that. And that's Thursday, you said, Terry. It's been launched on Thursday, and I presume it'll go up live as a Thursday or very soon afterwards. Yeah, oh, that's great. And it's Terry, Terry Walton's podcast on BBC Sounds. Well, we'll look out for it and encourage our listeners so to pop over and have a listen. I know it's going to be good. So it's podcast, not podcast. So it's very, very cunningly use of words. I have, I have to times think of when I'm actually broadcasting, when I introduce it, not to say podcast, podcast. I wish we'd thought of that first. I really do. <laughs> yeah, well, as I said, you learn, every day's a school day, so you learn something new, you are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, thanks so much for your time, Terry. I really do appreciate it. And I know our listeners will have enjoyed listening to you and will have learned a lot from what you've said. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully, hope you were successful. Everybody else listens to this uh, as a successful season. And uh, they will fill the larder, fill the freezers, keep harvesting throughout the winter, and keep away from those supermarket shelves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks again, Terry. Take care. All the best, mate. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you did why not subscribe and also pop over to our website which is www.kitchengarden.co.uk and you can find out more about the magazine and uh, from there you can also subscribe and you'll get free gifts every month and obviously with being kitchen garden it's packed with great advice on growing fruit and veg so pop over there today and check out our subscription offers. 